Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Stores on this election day, 2019, for the state of Louisiana, you are being asked to cast your vote for the next governor of the state of Louisiana. Will it be Governor John Bell Edwards, an incumbent that will repeat? Uh, we also got a couple of Republican challenges, uh, Dr. Ralph Abraham, and also we have uh, Eddie Responi, a businessman from Baton Rouge. We're not asking you who you're voting for. That's up to you. You make your decision. But what we are doing this morning, I'm going to ask you, as many of our listeners have already done, to either text or, if you prefer to call in, I'll give the number out in a minute, but you can text us at 870-870. This program, as all of them, are being recorded. It will be posted on my website, also on radio.com, and we will be furnishing the new governor or the two men who will be involved in the runoff, whichever way it goes after tonight, and presenting them with your comments and questions and suggestions for what direction they should take for the year 2020 with our Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Uh, It's a very crucial agency, Uh, Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. uh, A lot of people think that they pretty much just take care of the hunting and fishing. They do so much more. Uh, The Enforcement Division is called out to enforce uh, not just wildlife and fishery laws, but Many other laws, they also participate in in rescue operations. Uh, They're also responsible for all the natural resources, the non-game animals, uh, the the endangered and rare habitat. Um, They do samplings of seafood and safety testings in conjunction with other agencies. Uh, They've got a state department veterinarian, Dr. Jim LaCour. You may have heard him last week talking about the CWD update. And Louisiana is probably, if not the, one of the most difficult states to manage the natural resources. Here's why. Look at the habitat that Louisiana encompasses. If you start up on the northern end, just at the Arkansas border, up around the Monroe, uh, Shreveport areas, uh, a lot of piney woods, uh, a lot of river bottoms, but uh, pretty much high ground, uh, a lot of deer hunting, turkey, all freshwater fishing. And if you move down to the state, it, it, you know, you, you're pretty much the same. But then you get into bottomland hardwoods and cypress tupelo swamps. And uh, finally, down on the coast, we've got marsh area, rice field area. We have one of the most varied habitat types of any state. We've got more habitat types than, than probably any other state. You take a lot of the landlocked states, and it's pretty much the same state to state uh, in within a state. But Louisiana... Quite a bit different. I mean, we've got everything from brim to to blue marlin as far as fishery and everything from squirrels to uh, big game deer and possibly uh, bear. And that's another thing. We've got, you know, the the endangered species. We run a a huge alligator industry that a lot of states don't have. Our seafood industry is second to none. And all of those things, and even some water quality testing, those things are put into the hands of Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And one of my biggest gripes for years and years has been funding of that agency. It deserves proper funding. Uh, for years and years, the, it was funded by royalty money from properties that the, the state either owned or leased, and that went to fund the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries 
and uh, sale of hunting and fishing licenses, recreational, commercial licenses. Uh, that basically funded, it was kind of a self-funded agency, and still to this day is that way. And it's not really fair. There should be some allocation from the general fund going into the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And the reason I say that, uh, if you are a man, woman, or child, and you live in the state of Louisiana, and you, you eat the seafood, you drink the, the water, you breathe the air, you appreciate nature, um, and it doesn't have to be a hunter or a fisherman. Uh, certainly they are the, the, the users that, are, uh, that, that actually take from the land. They're, they're consumptive users is what they're called. But there's a lot of non-consumptive users that benefit so much from a good Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And I think, you know, if I see that and you see it, shouldn't someone who leads the state, a governor, recognize that? And certainly the governors don't pass the laws and allocate where the tax money goes, but they they can certainly direct the legislature. And by staying, you know, staying on that and creating enough awareness and putting enough pressure by alerting the constituents and the residents of the state that it's something that necessary and need to be done, I think that would be a big step in improving our Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, uh, to, to have it properly well-funded so that they can do their jobs without financial constraints. Well, that's my biggest, and I've got a few other ones, and throughout the show I'm going to be throwing those in there, but I'd like to hear from you. If you want to call us and voice your opinion, it's 504 504- 260-6368, whether it's doing, dealing with fishery or hunting or any aspect of, of what wildlife and fisheries manages for us, where do you think the agency has shortcomings? Where is there room for improvement? Or do you think there's some drastic changes they should take in direction? All of that is uh, open for you to comment this morning. I've got a lot of comments to catch up on. We had some good text messages in this morning. Uh, let me get back to some of these that were texted in this morning, uh, particularly that one with regard to the uh, agents. Let's see, where was that? That was, here we go. Mr. Governor, please provide some extra budget and or encouragement to allow Department of Wildlife and Fisheries personnel the opportunities to interact with the per- public in courtesy visits, surveys, and such outside of traffic stops. Lately, it seems like the only time I see Mr. Green Jeans, which is a term for an enforcement agent, is when he's interrogating me looking for game violations. That's from the colonel listening to us in Hammond. Uh, My comments on that is, again, it gets back to a funding thing. If you've got agents and you've only got so many and they have got a lot of ground to cover, we don't nearly have enough agents to cover everything that we do here in Louisiana. Um, it takes more funding. And, again, if we properly funded that agency, we could pay them more, we could afford more agents, and do other things with them, like surveys and, uh, you know, just courtesy checks, rather than always going out and strictly having to go make cases because that's what's out there. Anyway, that's uh, one request. Uh, I got another one, and this is a very good one. This comes from a, a listener named Barry. And he says, uh, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase his text, he said that the new secretary, and, you know, that's in Louisiana, it's it's a misnomer. Uh, we actually call the head of the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. He's not called the director or the chairman. We have a chairman for the commission, but the commission is different than the state department. But the head of the department is called a secretary. 
And when you hear the word secretary, you think of a secretary taking dictation, someone working in the front office who answers the phone. The secretary of wildlife and fisheries is the highest position, and that person is appointed by the, the governor to head that job. And we have had, uh, I've covered a lot of secretaries over the last 30 years, and that is a very powerful position. It takes one with a lot of diverse skills and talent. I say that because in order to, to do the job properly, you got to have a biological background somewhat. You've got to understand uh, the, the studies, the biology of hunting and fishing, uh, how regulations are set and why, uh, how samplings are taken. Uh, you also need to be pretty good with finances. Uh, you got to make sure that the, the department operates within its budget, that each division is properly funded. Uh, you've got to be a leader because everyone at the department ultimately answers to the secretary. The buck stops with the secretary. Um, also, the uh, secretary has to be kind of a political animal. You hate to say that, but, you know, in order to get things done, accomplished, well, it's got to go through the legislature. And someone with experience in the lawmaking process is certainly a big plus for the state. Well, Barry brings up the notion that the secretary, uh, and I guess this might take, take legislative change, uh, should not be appointed by the governor because that's too political. It should be someone who is maybe voted, maybe make an elected position, or some other method of selecting it, not just at the governor's discretion. And that's the way it stands today, and uh, I'm not sure what it would take to change that, but, you know, here's what you're doing. You're asking a governor to weaken his office, but really he'd be looking at it for the next person who comes in behind him. Anyway, that's a thought. Should the secretary not be governor appointed? It's too political. Uh, governor is appointing people for reasons maybe other than because they're the best person for the job. What do you think about that? If you want to comment on these comments, we'd love to hear from you, 504 260 or you're certainly welcome to text your message into us at 870-870. Got a break coming up. We've got some other announcements I'll make, and also we'll get back to some of your comments that are coming in at 870-870. We'll do that right after this time out. You're listening to More Outdoors on WWL FM 105.3 HD2. We're live streaming at DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com and also at Radio.com. We'll be right back. And it is Election Day in Louisiana. We will be voting for a new governor, or the governor who is currently the governor may be reelected. If not, there will be a runoff, and uh, what we're doing this morning is we're taking your comments, text messages, 870-870, or phone calls directed to the governor, pointing out what you feel may be the direction that the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries should take, what changes, what issues that concern you as a sportsman. We'd love to hear from you. 504-260-6368 is our telephone number. That text message line is 870-870. Uh, we got this text in early this morning from a regular listener, Toby, and he says, I would just like for the new governor, to put somebody in charge that turkey hunts or actually knows a little bit about turkeys to set the season dates. I don't want to get, don't get me started. Well, you did start it, Toby. So I'm going to make some comments on this. And those of you who have been listening to the show know I've been pretty critical of our turkey program here in the state of Louisiana. I do not feel that they have a good handle on our turkey population. 
And again, a lot of these issues, these shortcomings, get back to a funding problem. I don't think we have enough people working on turkey program to get an adequate, accurate inventory of how many birds are in what parts of the state. And I think there's a tendency to set seasons based on extrapolation, just look at one area and then kind of whatever, use whatever judgment sitting in an office in Baton Rouge without physically going to those areas, or more importantly, working with the people who are there, who belong to the club, are in there doing turkey season, they're there doing the breeding season, and have the eyes and game trail cameras and watch that. Uh, I will tell you this, I have requested from the turkey study leader at Department of Wildlife and Fisheries a summary, an overview of the Louisiana Turkey Program. I began asking for it in June. June. Um, I have yet to receive it. I've been promised I will get it, but it's yet to be put in my hands. I have contacted that person with two follow-up requests and crickets. Nothing. Uh, of course, the problem with turkey hunting, uh, they've cut back the days. They've moved the season back. They've cut back the limits. Two questions, big questions. One, is that warranted based on what you're seeing? I hear, I, I know what's on the leases I hunt. I hear from other people what they're seeing. And the, the biggest problem is setting those season dates late. It takes the hunter out of the peak gobbling period. And they know that. They did it intentionally to reduce the harvest. But there's other ways that could be used to reduce the harvest. Uh, you could eliminate the taking of uh, of jakes and just the mature birds. Or you could put a, a, a beard length in there, uh, you know, so you could, uh, you know, protect the, the breeding stock. Or you could uh, reduce the limit. Or you could move the season up. But to me, the point of tur- hunting turkeys, you got to be in the game when the turkeys are gobbling. If you're not there when they're gobbling, if you miss that part of the season, I mean, your chances of of encountering and, and getting a shot at a bird are slim to none. And even if it would mean cutting it even further back, again, if they're accurate in their population estimate. And I would like to look at the overview to see where they're doing the surveys, where they're doing the counts, and then why aren't they offering options to the sportsmen. I think we're, we're right at the point of what could be a similar situation with our speckled trout. Now, they've gotten reports, we've seen the, the, the numbers, and the biologists tell us that we are, have an overfished speckled trout population, and it's been overfished for several years, and it's going to take some remedies to turn that around. And I'm hoping that they will come up with several options. In other words, you've got to get from point A to point B. Well, there may be four or five different ways to get there. And which one are you going to pick? Are you going to pick the one that makes the biologist the happiest, the commission the happiest? How about the fishermen? Uh, Hopefully they will have some extensive public hearings, places where people can go, uh, open email lines or places where the people can voice their opinion and let them know what they would like to see. Do you want less fish? Do you want a bigger minimum size? Do you want a slot limit? Uh, I mean, I've got some numbers of what's going on in some of our neighboring states. I mean, Alabama changed their regulations, uh, and but yet they, they, they didn't do it until they took it to the public and got some feedback from the public because they offered them different scenarios. Uh, they've increased their flounder minimum size limit to 14 inches. They reduced the number 
to five. Uh, they've also changed their, their speckled trout um, sizes. They, they're, they're now the, uh, you have to measure between 15 and 22 inches, and you can only keep one over 22. And the, the bag limit was reduced to six fish per person per day. And those changes, they say, were needed. But they went to the public first after they had the data and gave them options. And the majority, I guess, said this is what they would like to see. And there's different options. We can cut back the bag limits. We can put in slot limits. We can uh, do minimum sizes, raise that. Uh, Lots of things, lots of options. And I'm hoping that the department will do that with the speckled trout. We did an outdoor opinion poll on our, our website. And here was the breakdown of what people thought they would like to see done with our speckled trout. 70% said that they would like to see the, re- the limit reduced from our present 25 to between 10 or 15. Uh, 17% said that they would like to see an increase from the 12-inch minimum size. Uh, 4% said they would like a slot season. 4% said that they would like to see open and closed seasons, where there'd be periods where you couldn't fish. said things are just great, no change is necessary. Nobody wanted to limit the number of licenses sold, and nobody wanted to see less than 10 fish per person. Uh, Something else with the wildlife and fisheries, with the speckled trout management, why is it taking so long? They've known about this. They they had a slip and released some early information that was kind of premature earlier this summer. Then they went back and said, we need to do more. They came back with it two commission meetings ago, made the presentation about the overfish situation, gave some of the numbers, and they're supposed to get back with the commission with some of these options. But I haven't heard any public hearings. Uh, Of course, you can always go to a commission meeting, but that's not always convenient for people on a Thursday at 10 o'clock to go to Baton Rouge and, and, and give their voice their opinion at the commission meetings during the public hearing. They need to set up public hearings in strategic places along the coast where speckled trout fishermen are, let them come and give their opinion. And we can certainly do that here, and that might be a topic for a future show. Today we're asking you, what about the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries? What do you think with regard to speckled trout? What do you think they need to do? What should be the direction they should take? All right, I got some more texts coming in. Uh, Trey says it's unfair to Rockefeller Refuge. They support a lot of the other refuges, but they neglect it. Again, a lot of these these issues are going to be funding problems. I'm sure we would hear that. Said, well, we don't have the money to do it. Well, why don't you? Well, we don't get funding from the state general fund. Well, why don't you? Because the legislature won't give it to us. Well, why aren't you after them to do that? And I think that should be a, certainly a very important part of the, the secretary and some of his staff's job is to I think if you explain to the public and to the commissioners everything that the State Department of Wildlife and Fisheries does, how could they not allocate money towards that? Because it comes back to you. And instead, it's been put on the shoulders of the hunters and fishermen to bear the whole funding of the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Those royalty monies I talked about earlier have kind of dwindled, and we don't get near as much anymore. And, of course, the cost of managing resources goes up. And I think it's only fair to allocate money. Uh, if you look at where some of your tax dollars are going, really look at it hard, you would be amazed at some of the things that, that, that's being funded there and people are not aware. All right, uh, then Roland uh, texted in, he would rather see north-south zones for speckle bellies 
and better enhancement of public land. That's an important thing. We have got some very good refuges and WMAs, but some of the access and the infrastructure there really makes some difficult places to go and, and really limits your chances of going there and being successful. Uh, we got another one. Uh, this is from Blake. He texted in that the ducks seasons should be set with two zones, north and south. Uh, we currently have a three-zone three, three zone situation, coastal, east, and west. Uh, and the way that's done now, because you work with the feds in conjunction with that, it's done on a five-year period. And we're still into the three-zone, but that could be changed, and, you know, we'll pass that along. Blake, thanks for your text. All right, I got some more text coming in. If you want to do it, 870-870. If you prefer to call, it's 504-260-6368. I got the text from Kagan, Bill, Ken, George, AJ, um, Chris, we got a bunch of them. Also, we got uh, some, let's see, we got some more here from Mike. Yeah, I got a bunch of them coming. All right, I'll try to get to them as soon as we can. If you want to get in line and put yours in, it's 870-870. And we're asking you to text or call in your comments. Uh, to the next governor, this program will be presented to the new governor or the governor's runoff candidates, and then we'll ask him to come back on and uh, ask them to address these concerns and what they intend to do about it. If you'd like to do that, we ask you to text 87870 or call 504-260-6368. I'm getting an awful lot of uh, text dealing with the subject of waterfowl, and that probably is because of the dire news that has been been spreading about the Louisiana duck and uh, goose and waterfowl situation. You know, Louisiana, and this was brought out at the one of the last commission meetings, uh, Louisiana averaged about 2.5 million ducks from 2010 through 2014. Uh, that has been down even. Uh, we have hit some highs of 3 million for a long time, for decades. Louisiana was the top duck harvest state in the in the nation. Well, we no longer have that. Uh, we dropped from that 2.5 down to 1.1 in the 2017-2018, and last year was pitiful. 500,000 ducks was the total that were taken in the state. And a lot of people are concerned about it, and a lot of people are concerned that our state agency, Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, is not doing enough or anything about it. Here's a comment from Cameron from TB. TB says, all Louisiana hunters have been told loss of habitat is the reason for unsuccessful waterfowl seasons. We have the largest wetland refuge in the nation and has been neglected for years. We have other refuge systems and WMAs that are being neglected as well. Wouldn't this be due to poor management of our habitats and our funding? If our habitat is a problem, why are we giving critical funds that we could use to restore it away? And what he's referring to there is, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of sportsmen, uh, for years and years, uh, because duck hunting has been so much a part of the fabric of Louisiana hunting, uh, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries decided to dedicate a portion of all hunting license sales, not just duck stamp money from the state, but hunting licenses to Ducks Unlimited, which would be used up on the breeding grounds, thinking that the money is best spent on the breeding grounds, which it's totaled uh, around a million dollars over the last three years. And the question comes up from listeners and people I talk to that that money, if it's supposed to be used on the breeding grounds, apparently it's not doing much of a job because the duck numbers keep dropping. 
And the question comes up, why can't we spend that money here and improve the habitat if habitat is the problem? Um, anyway, that is, is part of the problem. The other part is there's been some information recently that is, is getting around and spreading. And we're going to do some follow-up programs on this, you know, with other organizations and people uh, that live up the flyway and talk about what's going on since the changes that have, were implemented back in the late 90s with regard to changing what constitutes baiting and what constitutes uh, legal manipulation or non-manipulation of crops to attract and hold waterfowl that are affecting the migration problem. And if you look at the numbers of the ducks that have been taken, uh, and it's not because of pressure. The numbers of the hunters are falling off, and that's going to continue to fall as the, as the numbers of ducks that, that winter down south fall. So will the hunters go away. And if it's not turned around, we'll basically lose our, our waterfowl hunting heritage here in Louisiana. And I think this is certainly a, a good point to bring up to the next governor if he's concerned about it, about the sport of waterfowl hunting in Louisiana for sure. All right, I've got another one. Uh, this is from Chris. Chris says, if you want to ask questions to wildlife and fisheries, ask about the opening of Bayou St. John in New Orleans. There was a million dollars was spent in cooperation with the Pontchartrain Basin Foundation, Wildlife and Fisheries, NOAA, to dredge Lake Pontchartrain at its mouth, remove the dam at Robert E. Lee, which were done but they never open the locks. I have heard they can't due to a normal tide would overflow the interior of Bayou St. John inside the levee. If that is the case, wouldn't that have been the first thing an engineer would check before doing a project of this sort? I believe the public funds pretty much were stolen and paid to these contractors engineers. So Chris's point is studies should have been done. This is putting the horse before the cart by doing the work paying for it, almost a million dollars, and then not being able to utilize it because of flooding problems, which could have been noted before it was done. So that's something else to pass along to our governor. Here's one says, uh, hey, Mr. Don, my name is Cade, and I'm from St. Amant, which is near the Gonzalez area. I have something I would like to bring to your attention. The past few years, I had been hunting Richard K. Yancey, came up this morning, WMA up by Red River, and the hunting was easy because they had ponds they flooded every year. These ponds made hunting easy and affordable, mostly because all you needed was a vehicle to get there. I would drive there, park, walk in, and set up, and that was it. The past couple years, the ponds have not been flooded, and I had wondered why, because this messed with a lot of people. These, those ponds were a big deal for a great amount of hunters. This year, I contacted my cousin who had a camp in the area, and a game warden told him the ponds were not being flooded anymore because Ducks Unlimited stopped funding it. This shocked me. I don't understand why they would do that. Anyways, thank you for your time. That question probably would be as well answered by DU, if that's the case, as by Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, but... Perhaps the Wildlife and Fisheries Department could take a leadership role in approaching these organizations that do provide funding, which comes from you, the user, certainly Ducks Unlimited is a hunter-funded organization, and bring some of these refuges back in these management areas. Uh, we've got a lot of WMAs, and because of lack of access or infrastructure, um, 
they could pot and and just management, good habitat management by flooding and levying and plantings and different things they could do would certainly improve it. But again, when it comes to waterfowl, this is an access problem. But you know, I've got a lot of people that are sending in texts and saying that it's more than just an access problem; it's a problem of migration alteration, and that probably should go to the governor as a, one of the top issues that people would like to look forward to. Uh, here's a, a text from AJ. AJ believes that the enforcement funds should go back to LWDF, and I think what they mean by that, he means is maybe the fine money should go to the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. And as I recall, I'm not real clear on this, but I believe uh, some of it stays in the parish and goes to the parish for cases that are prosecuted, uh, and certainly the, the civil restitution, all of that should be put in the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. But again, the bigger issue for the next governor is let's look at funding ways, means for the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, and this could be just one of those in addition to acquiring general funding or finding money to properly fund the agency. You know, money's not the answer to everything, but it's a great start, I can tell you that. All right, we're waiting to get some more text in. Let's see, I have some here coming in. This one says, the failure of the department to send me, you meaning me, the turkey information is because of the elitist attitude that prevails department-wide. Bring back the days of Barham where it was an open-door policy where the consumer was a valued participant. Uh, Speaking of Robert Barham, who was the previous Secretary of Wildlife and Fisheries before uh, this latest administration, which if you look at the the history we had, uh, Mr. Malansaw came in and uh, that happened to be a, a real dismal failure. Charlie Malonson was just not the right person to head up the wildlife and fisheries. He wasn't there very long. Uh, he tried to make some changes regarding transparency. They brought in a, a prevailing poor attitude and, uh, among the employees there, and he was replaced with the present, uh, Mr. Monaset. But Robert Barham, in all the years that I covered wildlife and fisheries, uh, he was the best secretary that I ever covered. Uh, he made himself available. He had an open-door policy, as this listener brought up, this listener from Baton Rouge who just texted me. Thank you for that text. Uh, Robert Barham used to come on this program once a month. And whether he was uh, on a deer stand or squirrel hunting or at a fishing camp, he would make it a point to be available, the top man, to answer questions and to recap what went on each month at the commission meetings. And I think that was a lot for him to do. He also, if you look at the the time he was in the office, uh, he went through some of the toughest times in history of wildlife and fisheries. Um, Hurricane Katrina, you know, wiped out docks and seafood operations and required enforcement people to step up and become rescue agents. Uh, then the BP oil spill, all of the negotiations, the filings and the samplings and the studies and all the money that had to be sought after to rebuild the resources of the coast. Uh, the guy had a very difficult job. He was up for it. And it gets back to the right selection of the person. Uh, Robert Barham was ideal. He was a former legislator. He knew the political jungle. Uh, he was very well briefed. He was a sportsman from his childhood. He knew what the hunters and fishermen of the state wanted, what their needs were. And he had a little bit of a biological background. He, he, he understood 
uh, how management by biology and by science, and that has to be also thrown in management by people. He understood that it was for consumers, that everything wasn't strictly biological. A lot of it was social issues. Uh, he was the ideal guy, and uh, I saw him the other night. He was at the Wildlife and Fisheries Foundation fundraiser, and uh, we sure miss him. But, again, selection of a commissioner by a governor, if that's the best way, it's very important that he do his homework. He doesn't do political payback and put somebody in there. Don't put somebody in there who's a puppet that other people are going to control. Put someone who thinks for themselves, knows the job, is well-versed in a lot of different fields, and you'll end up with another Robert Barham, and you won't have these problems. But uh, certainly, yeah, he had an open-door policy. And, again, that failure the department to send me the turkey information, you would think that that would be something that they would welcome. And, I mean, I don't want to criticize the department to get somebody fired. What I want to do is help them solve problems and do it as my role as, as a reporter and as a media journalist and broadcaster, I have I can reach a lot of people and get their message to them and get the public's message back to them, which is what we're doing this morning. Anyway, he says uh, the problem is another text. The problem, as you have discussed all morning, is obviously lack of funding. Remember when folks vote today that they keep in mind that their votes, uh, let's see, their votes have... I'll have to find the rest of it. Sometime when these come in as quick as they do, they, they kind of get uh, mixed up. Oh, here it is, consequences. If we keep electing politicians that wastefully spend our tax dollars on programs that should be cut or even eliminated, there's little money left to put towards programs like Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Outdoor enthusiasts, hunters and fishermen, seafood lovers should elect people that hold our paradise as high on their priority list as we do and support cutting wasteful entitlement programs so our tax dollars can be spent on programs that benefit, and again, it's jumping, um, our state and voters. That's from Kent Saxon. He signed his name with Gator Tracks Boat. Well put, Kent, and I appreciate your texting in. All right, let me get back to some more of these text messages, 87870. Uh, call us if you like, 504-260-6368. It's election day. We got a message we want to pass along to the new governor or the governor candidates in a runoff. Where do we take our Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries? How do we constructively set it in the right direction to get the maximum out of it for our state sportsmen and general users? We'll be right back after this. And it's election day in Louisiana. I got from 7 a.m. The polls are now open till 8 p.m. tonight to vote for the candidates of your choice. One of the positions you'll be voting for is the top in the state, the governor. Uh, could be an outright win if one of the candidates gets over 50% of the votes. If not, uh, we will have a runoff. And uh, between now and then, we're going to furnish the governor candidates with the, this program with all the concerns and issues that people are bringing up with regard to the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Uh, we've gotten a lot of comments in from taking care of refuges and better funding uh, all the way to talking about, uh, you know, what we're going to do with our speckled trout. Anyway, if you've got a comment, concern, issue you think needs to be brought up, and what we'll do is we'll invite them to come on and respond to your comments and questions and uh, see what they, their remedies and situations and plans will be. Let's uh, talk to Joey. He's over in Pearl River right now. Joey, thanks for your call. 
Hey, Don. How you doing this morning? Hey, I'm good, Joey. What you got for us this morning? I may be off topic uh, with what I, I, has been on my mind, and it revolves around our duck hunting situation. Um, are we allowed to go into that, or w- what's your main focus well, if here it has this to, morning? If, if it has if it has to do with Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, yes. you know, And I'm sure whatever duck question you've got, they are the agency that's, uh, in as far as Louisiana, they are the authority. Of course, they work in conjunction with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, but certainly they would have a very integral role in any issue dealing with waterfowl in Louisiana. So, no, be, on, be my guest. Talk about what, you, what your concern is. Well, first of all, our... Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, Larry Reynolds, um, in my opinion, I think he's a babbling idiot the way he talks. Um, He he never takes up for a Louisiana duck hunter. Um, And our duck hunting situation in Louisiana, it's in dire straits. And just not Louisiana, but I've got friends in Tennessee, Arkansas, and the average Joe is is kind of being eliminated from the whole equation. Um, you look at other states; they they really focus in on their duck hunting um, uh, uh, I guess industry hunters. industry yeah industry. Um, here in Louisiana, it, it just, it is so corrupt. It is, it's greed, it's corruption, and a lot of what's going on, I believe people, people are using the word conservation as a cover-up for killing and for money. And everything revolves around money. I understand that. It's been like that since the beginning of time. But the average Joe is being weeded out. It's just, it's horrible to see um, uh, all these guys up above us, you know, they're saying corn's not the issue. You can flood corn. Um, and, and the talk locally is don't even throw corn in your pond because they're not even going to migrate. So corn won't even work for southern hunters anymore. Um, and... Uh, you know, there's several several factors in duck hunting. I understand that water, weather, but a duck will go to corn. It's like probably some type of drug to a duck rather than come down south and eat what's probably better for them in our local marshes. And to hear Larry Reynolds, I've seen him on a sports show, XO or something like that. And you got all these retired, politically connected individuals uh, speaking their opinions about something and how corn doesn't affect the, the migration. Uh, we got to stand up, uh, duck hunters across the country, not just in Louisiana, because it's affecting everyone up the flyway. Um, and so, Joey, I'm just what would you to like? Voice my no, frustration. You, you make it. You're making a very good argument, and it's one that a lot of people share because I've been hearing from them. 
and you know there's there's evidence out there now there's that, that there's some compelling evidence that shows exactly what you're talking about is occurring a migration altern an altering of our migration and the way that the the, the graph looks uh, within several years now this year could be exception because they didn't get a chance to plant that corn in a lot of those areas that would would make these ducks not come down here so this may be an an off year but I think if the trend continues the way it is we're going to lose duck hunting here in louisiana we we will not have duck hunting we're already losing a Don, lot of hunters. Told, people are not not renewing their leases and a lot of a lot of problems with it and duck hunting does not look good you started off by saying we're in dire straits i agree with you what do you think could be a remedy from louisiana department of wildlife and fisheries do you believe that it's ineptitude that our waterfowl program is just not understanding the problem, or do you think that there's something, some something political back there that's holding it back, uh, preventing it from? I believe. From being- I believe 100%. It is political and it is corruption. They're doing what's best for their uh, own cliques, and they're not doing what's better for the entire population of the industry of the duck hunters. The average Joe well, cannot you. afford to go hunt a cornfield for $1,000. We depend on our federal refuges, which I'm going to an event today. It's Wild Things in Lacombe. I'm setting up a right. booth. I'm passing out duck calls. There's one thing I'm passionate about is killing ducks. And, you know, they talk about let's get the youth involved. How are you going to take a young person duck hunting locally and sit there and twiddle your thumbs and you're shooting maybe two buffalo heads? If that, and it, it's it's disgusting. It really is. Um, well, you know, you know, Joey, if uh, if five hundred thousand, when we kill only a half a million birds in the entire state for the whole season, that is a crisis. But I don't see the reaction from the department that this is a crisis that we're in, in Louisiana, and it is. Uh, my suggestion to some of the organizations like Delta Waterfowl, Ducks Unlimited. Uh, now we've got the Flyway Federation coming on. I suggested that, you know, we, we put this whole issue to, to rest. We take a contingency of biologists representing various states, people from DU, representatives from Delta, the Flyway Federation, and some unbiased media people go to these places, visit them, look at them, study them, and come back with a full report on whether this alters the migration or not, and then settle it for once and for all. They say it's not, but there's compelling evidence that it is. It certainly warrants looking into, and who doesn't want to find out the truth? I mean, that's all it's all about. They they don't want to hear the truth. They're turning a blind eye to it, and um, the more studies they do is just a delay to continue what they're doing. I mean, you got guys starting these corn duck farm corn fields and they're becoming multi-millionaires um they're being funded with our tax dollars and you know i believe in conservation but the state of louisiana probably raises more money for duck conservation probably than a lot of states we're probably what top two top five in the whole country as far as raising conservation dollars and what do we have to show for it We've got Larry Reynolds, um, listening to him speak on that outdoor show. He's speaking in some scientific uh, babbling. Uh, Average Joe don't understand that, man. Just come out and be honest about what's going on. But people who are in corruption, 
they'll never say what needs to be said. And duck hunting corruption to me is it's mafia level stuff. Um, because if you don't agree with them, they're going to come in. I mean, in my opinion, they're going to seek you out. They're going to try to make your life difficult. They're going to be taking away your duck lease. They're going to take away stuff. It, it, that's the way I see it. I got it, Joey. It's it's uh it's very disheartening. And whoever thought that the wonderful sport of duck hunting w- would get so political, but uh, evidently it has. Well, I think I mean, you've made uh, your Larry, point. And go ahead. Well, Larry Reynolds, I want to mention one thing. I don't know if somebody can have him replaced. I think he needs to be replaced. In my opinion, I don't know who would take well, his spot, but. Mm-hmm. Basically, for him to say on that outdoor show, I seen it on YouTube the other day. It's the new norm. We need to get used to it. That's basically what he said. That is disgusting That's... to have your own backyard representative speak that way. It's disgusting. Joey, you and got your message this... in. I understand. Yeah. We're going to pass it along to the governor. We're, we're just running up against the uh, CBS Sports 8 update coming up. But thank you for your comment, Joey, and thanks for your passion about waterfowl hunting in Louisiana. We appreciate it. All right, hour number two coming up. You going to comment on Joey's comment, or what's yours for the governor-elect of Louisiana with regard to wildlife and fisheries? Back with more after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.